0: And as our praise team comes down, how awesome is it that JT played the drums for us this morning? Yeah. One of the things that I think is really awesome about our, 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 our worship team as it is, is that, um, that it's been developed over time. It has been uh, a work that, has, that we've just seen uh, piece after piece. Um, come in, uh, instrumentation, uh, vocalization, and, and, and it's grown and it's developed, and, and I think that that's a beautiful uh, reality of a way in which we see discipleship going on in our church. And um, we we love Brother Mike uh, Gillery, and so thankful for his faithfulness and his diligence to play the drums each week. Um, and uh, and he and. Anytime I tell him, hey, man, thanks so much for all you do, he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I get to come in and play the drums. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, you give me an opportunity to play the drums. And uh, He has a busy work schedule and a busy life, and so this is a reprieve for him in a lot of ways to be able to come in and, and play the drums. So, but, but, but I think it's really cool that JT uh, has, uh, you know, he, he provides percussion for us each week and then. Uh, and has been uh, taking drum lessons and stepped up to the plate today. And you did an awesome job, JT. So very proud of you. and thankful for you, brother. Um, yeah, this morning we're here. And uh, as Brother Mitch and I say to each other a lot of times, we are all here because we are not all there. Right? Um, hopefully that's not fully true about us um this morning let's do this let's bow before the lord and let's go to him as uh, we uh, prepare to uh, receive from his word Uh, lord i love you and i thank you for who you are Uh, god as we come before your written word for the word that you preserve for us to be uh, not only instruction and guide but to bring life joy strength to us lord Uh, Lord, we also acknowledge that uh, your word, the full manifestation of your word is not not that which was written down, it's that which was lived out in the life of Jesus, Lord. He is your living word, first and foremost, Lord. And so, God, my prayer is this, is as we come to your written word, we will make haste to see your living word, your son, Jesus. And Lord, I pray and ask that you'd be with me, that I would, be able to uh, guide us on that journey, as it were, as your spirit leads. And Lord, uh, I pray this. I pray that uh, all that we say and all that we do today uh, will be good. It will be good. It will be honoring to you, Lord. It will be truthful about you and about who you are and your way and and your work in this world, Lord. Uh, We we, we want everything that we say not only to be honoring and truthful, but Lord, uh, also we look for it to be profitable for it to build us up so that we can go from this place and we can continue being uh, disciples of Jesus, living our lives like light, shining out into the darkness, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray. God, I pray and I ask that, um, I pray for us to ask these things. We need you. We need you to lead, Lord. Lord. For me to speak truth, I need your spirit to give me the truth to speak. For us to receive that which will build us up, make us uh, more into the image of Jesus, we need your spirit to move and speak not only uh, through me, but to each and every one of us. And so, Lord, we look and we ask that you would speak. uh, That your word, your voice would sound. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I've had some conversations this week about gas prices. Have y'all had some conversations about gas prices? Uh, I heard this morning in the, uh, in the sanctuary, uh, there was discussion for those folks who were alive Uh, back in the day, whenever there were, uh, you know, long lines at gas stations, uh, in the late 70s. Anybody remember that? Anybody recall that? That's the thing. Nobody, everybody said, yeah, the lines were long, but gas was not $4 uh, a gallon or $4 plus a gallon as it is here. And, um, and so, yeah, uh. We've had these conversations in our own home where we're looking at our finances and going, oh no, you know, like it gets a little bit frustrating. It gets a little flustering whenever you, when you're sitting there and you're trying to, uh, you're, you're already trying to live within a budget and you're already trying to, uh, work within your means. And then, and then inflation hits, gas prices start rising and they're not the only things that have risen this year. Uh, inflation is at a place where it hasn't been since the eighties. Now, a lot of you who've lived through the 70s, and you were alive in the 60s, and should I go back any further or is that good? Right? A lot of you who've lived through different generations, you know what it's like to have the ebb and the flow of, uh, of an economy. Uh, uh, for, for all of us who, who were raised Uh, you know, born in the the 80s or the 90s, and we we came to age whenever all you saw the economy doing was going up and up and up and up. I mean, outside of the dot-com boom and outside of what could have even been a worse recession than it was in 2008, we've not experienced a whole lot of moments. And also, I would say this, due to certain things like bailouts, Not only have we not experienced a whole lot of moments where there's been economic decline and recession, where gas prices are w- w- where they haven't been before, where uh, inflation is where it hasn't been in a long, long time. We haven't experienced that period, but we also have an it where we go, oh no, somebody's not going to come bail us out. And it's scary. And sometimes we just flatly live in the the the, the fear of a situation. I'm worried. I'm concerned. What do I do with my finances? How do I how do do I set my budget up? Uh, For some of us, it's not just scary. Some of us were angry. I've heard a lot of people and this might be true but this is uh, becomes a talking point. Until we get another administration in, we're not going to see a difference. And then all the anger, all the hatred, all the vitriol comes at XYZ political party. Uh, some of us, truth be told, Some of us stick our head in the sand, right? (laughs) Some of us, we go, oh, no, I don't know what to do. Uh, I I don't want to think that the sky is falling. I I, 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 I don't really want to deal with the reality of of, of our value of our money being less than what it was a few months ago. And so you just stick your head in the sand and go, oh, I hope it. Jesus, take the wheel, right? (laughs) Just lead me through this moment. Now I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're one of those people who gets anxious and scared and and overwhelmed whenever you start looking at dollars and cents. I don't know if you're a person who just, you know, uh, uh, you're just mad and you're angry. And and every time you get an opportunity to talk about it, you're talking about, well, you know why it is. I don't know if you're a person who sticks your head in the sand and says, well, it's all going to be okay. I don't know how. I don't know why, but I'm hoping against hope, wistfully wishing that it's all going to be good. Pastorally, I see whether you are, uh, whether you are a person who gets overwhelmed with worry whether these things enrage you and give you more reason to be mad about whatever. But in our culture, we know if it gives you more reason to be mad about the results of the 2020 election. uh, If you find yourself as one who, you know, just, I'm just going to, keep my head down and hope that it all passes pastorally what I uh, would present to you today is that these opportunities in our life these real world scenarios these real world situations are really prime moments for us as disciples of Jesus We read just a few minutes ago. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter number four, he said, I, I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he says, I, I can do all these things. How can I do all these things? Because Christ gives me strength. Now, Paul uh, is writing to the church at Philippi, and actually what he is writing to tell them uh, at this point in the letter is thank you for the way you supplied for my needs, my physical needs. See, Paul was in prison. Uh, we believe whenever he wrote the book of Philippians, he was not just in prison, he was in, in prison in Rome. He talks about how the Praetorian Guard has heard the gospel because Paul has been proclaiming the gospel there in Rome. And, and actually, it's at the last chapter of Acts that this is where we find Paul at the end of Acts. And, and some people would say, well, that's just the end of Paul's life, but there's, there's a lot of discussion and disagreement about that even. Uh, all we know is by the end of Acts... Paul was in prison in Rome now, if you think about prison he wasn 't in a in a dank, dark cell uh, as it were uh, whenever he was first imprisoned in Rome. He was actually like uh, kind of like under uh, under house arrest uh, there was uh, some Roman guards that were there that were uh, that were keeping watch over him, and uh, he was able to uh, receive friends and to, and, and to 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 have people come over and visit him he just couldn 't leave. Anywhere and, and you got to even understand prison in in Roman uh, and, and the Roman world is different than prison for us today. To, to us today, prison is the sentence. Right, you go to jail and then you wait trial and then you're going to be sentenced to either uh, a lot of jail or a little jail or or maybe you're you're going to be let go from jail. But 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 prison becomes the sentence in the Roman world. Prison was the place where you went to await your moment before. The judge, and then you would receive your sentence. And so, whatever the judge said at that sentencing would be uh, would be your punishment. Either you would have to pay a fine, or maybe your life would be on the line. Or he would say, "Hey, we have no cause for you to to be imprisoned anymore. So go free. We well, we, we we've ruled that you are you're innocent of the charges against you." But prison is where you went to wait before you got to the judge now here's the thing about it you didn't know how long you were gonna wait in prison like for us, if you if you get sentenced to prison, you are sentenced to five years or six months or whatever. You know your sentence, and actually, a lot of times you can you can hope that hey, man, with good behavior and with certain other things that come into play, I might actually get out sooner. But but when Paul went into prison, uh, Paul was there, and he didn't know how long he was going to be there. In fact, we find that after he left Jerusalem, and he was and he was. Uh, he was arrested and he was taken um, a, to Caesarea Philippi. He spent several years in Caesarea Philippi before he got a hearing before a judge for a Roman governor who would declare his fate. So Paul has been in prison in a house, and um, and he doesn't know how long he's going to be there. We don't know how long he's been there up to this point, but what we do know is that Paul was running short on supplies and the disciples at Philippi, they put some goods together and they sent one of their own to take this, this, this package to Paul to supply for him. In this time of need. And so Paul is writing. And, and, and as he writes the letter. We see a hinting at it, of it at the very beginning of the letter. But Paul is writing. A in big, a big moment. What he wants to get to is thanking them. For supplying. His physical needs. Hey, You've been in a place where you've. You've fallen short of something. Physically. Maybe you needed food. Maybe you needed shelter. Clothing. If you've never been in that situation, you are a rarity in this world. I don't think we get that in America all the time, but you are a rarity in this world if you've never fallen short of food, of some of our basic needs. There's been times in my life whenever I've needed something. Man, one of the stupidest moments, and and I think about it every night. Y'all ever have just those moments where you were just kind of like, you're a blockhead? Have y'all ever been a blockhead? You have, I know. I'm looking exactly at the blockheads of the blockheads right here. No, I'm just show you. Um uh, you've ever been a blockhead, and then and then randomly you'll be driving down the road, life's going alright, all and then that memory of your blockheadedness will come in, and then you will feel the, the embarrassment, the guilt, the shame, all of it, right? And y'all been there? Or is that just me? Please let me know that I'm not alone. So uh, sometimes I will be in a random moment. I will remember this happening. I was a freshman in college. I was working at Sam's Club, and um, uh, probably uh, being foolish with my money and not spending it very well. And, um, and 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 so I had ran out of paycheck before I ran out of week. And um, and I was there. I was um, going to go get uh, my 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 dinner at. Uh, during my bright time at work, I was going to get my dinner from Sam's Club Cafe. Everybody loved the pizza from Sam's Club Cafe, right? Uh, and also, y'all know that that pizza is $1.50, right? I mean, like, it is not expensive. So we're just kind of keeping this all in perspective here. So that pizza and a drink would have cost me two fifty dollars um, 50 to eat my dinner. Well, guess what? I go and, uh, and I go to swipe my uh, debit card. And um, if this has never happened to you wow, you're amazing, but uh, I went to swipe my debit card and these like words came up on the screen and it said decline and I knew it wasn't because of identity theft. And I knew it wasn't because I was traveling or anything. I knew it was because you have insufficient funds in your account. So this is just telling you about the state of things for me at this moment. I could not buy a $2.50 meal from Sam's Club Cafe And, uh, I was like, oh man, well, I was getting paid that night and it wasn't like I was going to go hungry. You know, I mean, I was, I think at that point I had like a four or five hour shift and I was halfway through it. It was like, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to, you know, be destitute of food, but there was this woman and her daughter and they were right behind me in line and they saw this happen. And that woman being a mother felt for me. And so I went and I sat down in the cafe and I was just like, man, you idiot. And I was, you know, trying to tell myself all the things that, you know, all the things I'm going to do better so that I don't get into this situation next time, you know, uh, and, and, and berate myself a little bit. And all of a sudden, this, uh, this woman's daughter, who's not much younger than me, and she was cute. So this was like <laughs> kind of hard, you know, she, she, she comes over to me and she like, hey, here, and she like hands me like five or ten dollars. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. Like, it's okay. And she's like, no, 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 really, take it. You need it. And I was like, I don't want to have to need this, but I do need this. And so I, uh, so I uh, was like, oh, thanks. And, and I got up to say thank you, and I walked with them all the way to the car. And I was like, well, listen, let me, let, let me take your, your groceries up to your car or something like that. And they're like, no, 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 don't no, actually, stop. I was walking with them and I was taking them I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this. And they said, no, 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 don't worry about it. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. And then we got to the door and I was like, well, thank you. And I knew I had like five minutes left on my break. So I just bolted back to the cafe so that I could eat my food. And as I was sitting there eating my food, I went, you could have at least helped them out to the car with their groceries. (laughs) And I think about that moment all the time. It comes into my brain, and I just remember being like, no, 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 I don't need it, you take it. And then just running back to the cafe and going, you could have helped them out a little bit, Macaulay. You could have taken their groceries to the car. You're stupid. I'll just be driving down the road thinking about those moments. But there's another aspect to the story that I think is more beautiful is in that moment, whenever I needed something, somebody, somebody saw it and they provided it for me. And so sometimes I have to get beyond my narcissism and I have to just say, you know what, if I helped them out to the, to the car or not, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that the lady saw this beautiful college freshman strapping young man who was <laughs> who was who was going to miss out on some some food and she was like I can't let that stand and so she provided for me and that was a really sweet thing for somebody to do now, we could argue whether I was the most worthy candidate of that provision, and I would not—I would be top amongst the people to say there was probably more deserving, more needy people than me. But she helped me. And sometimes, whenever I think about me not carrying the groceries out to the car, it's not because, oh man, I looked like a jerk, it's because I did get to tell her thank you i didn't really get to fully express that and that's what paul is doing in philippians chapter number four when we find this text paul is writing a genuine word of thanks of gratitude for how they supplied him now here's the deal Paul, in his giving thanks to them, he also comes back and he makes a side point. And this is actually the side point. His main point is to give thanks. But his side point is to say, I'm not just giving thanks because you gave me stuff. See, Paul really wants them to know. I'm thankful for you, Philippians, period. You, 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 you. You as a human being who who deserves dignity and respect and love and humanity. I am thankful for you. I'm not just thankful for the stuff that you've given me. And this is important because in the Roman world, there was this thing called benefaction. And and, and it was actually kind of this, this prized place. And you could think about kind of philanthropy in our day kind of being somewhat similar to it, but you could become somebody's benefactor and you could be a jerk and you could be a terrible person and you could actually be a bad person of low moral character. But if you were a benefactor, you were to be honored. And a lot of relationships were, were geared around this, 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 this this practice of benefaction. And so sometimes whenever people said, thank you, they didn't care about you. They cared about the stuff that you gave them. And so when Paul makes this point, he is trying to say, I'm not saying this like any other person in our Roman world. You weren't just my benefactors and that's why I'm thankful for you. That's why you bring me joy. Paul is saying, you've provided for me and that brought me joy, but let me make it clear to you. You don't only bring me joy because you provide me stuff. In fact, Paul says, I've learned some things about having a lot of stuff and a little stuff. I've learned, he says in verse number 11. Well, verse number 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me has flourished again. You were careful or you thoughtful before, but you lacked the opportunity. Here he says in verse number 11, like I'm thankful for you, but it's not just that I'm thankful for the stuff you gave me. Not that I speak in respect of want. Not that I'm talking about like it was only because y'all provided for me stuff. And Paul says this. I have learned whatsoever state I am there to be content. I've learned that whether I've had moments of humility or moments of honor, whether I've had a Full belly, or whether my belly is aching because it's been a long time since my last meal. I've learned whatever state I'm I've learned to be content. Now there's a point a couple points that we need to make about this is paul learned to be content paul wasn't automatically content You, you know what i get frustrated with my kids about they're not automatically content In fact, uh, we we leave one thing and we've just gone and we've we've sacrificed time, energy and resources and we are there and it's for their benefit. And they've had a great time and we get in the car and we are headed home and they go, what what are we going to do next? And we and all of our patience and grace go, it's nothing good enough for you. Just like Jesus does with us, right? Hmm. Paul learned to be content. He didn't say, I knew it. It was a direct download. I'm Paul. I have an S on my chest. (laughs) Uh, I'm Paul. I have an S on my chest. He said, I learned a lesson. See, Paul is revealing to us here that he, as an apostle of Jesus Christ and an authorized legitimate agent, an ambassador to take the good news to the, the, the known Roman world. Paul, who was an apostle, was also what a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we would say this: He, he would probably consider himself first a disciple and then later an apostle. And what I mean by that is apostle as an office for him didn't come before him being a disciple, a follower, a learner from Jesus. What we could also understand from this is that there was a time when this wasn't true for Paul. Is that a bad assumption to make? If he says, I've learned this, that means that there was a time. There was a time possibly when Paul probably looked around and he said, I've got so much. Look at what I've done. I would take it on good authority to believe that Paul had that mindset because Paul tells us in Philippians chapter number three, hey, listen, I used to have a lot of clout, a lot of credentials, and I've had to rethink that all those things that were gained to me, I now count as lost. So that he learned it, we should understand first he's a disciple of Jesus. And in these moments, he's going to be discipled by Jesus. We should also assume that there was a time whenever he didn't know this. Maybe whenever he had a lot, he felt really good. He felt high on the horse. He felt like the world is my oyster and we can face the new day no matter what challenges come. And then whenever he had a little, he probably thought, oh no, the sky is falling. Or he thought, we can't make it. We can't do it. We can't do it. It doesn't make sense on paper. I, I, don't, I don't suppose that Paul was a very fly by the seat of your pants type of guy. I believe Paul was a very wise and very prudent individual. And I can imagine that Paul put pen to paper to see if things were going to play out. And these were the types of things that Paul needed to learn. Paul needed to learn when you have a lot of resources, that does not mean everything is going great as it is or everything will go great. Paul needed to learn that when you don't have a lot of resources... That doesn't mean that everything is going terribly or that everything will go terribly. Paul, when he found himself in these situations where he had a lot and he found himself in situations where he had a little, he learned something from Jesus. he said he learned whether a lot or whether a little whatever state he was in whether the gas prices were uh 98 cents like they were whenever i started driving do y'all remember those days you could put three dollars of gas in and it made a difference it's amazing to me (laughs) Whether he had a lot or a little, he learned. He learned. And Paul learned, he said, to be content. And this is why Paul learned to be content. It wasn't because Paul was a good stoic. If you read this text on the surface, it has all of the makings of good, stiff upper lip stoicism. But Gordon Fee really warns against that. Gordon Fee, whenever he writes about this, he says, This cannot be stoicism. He says, Because the ultimate goal of stoicism is to live above the need and abundance in such a way as to be self sufficient. This does not mean that one is oblivious to circumstances. But that the truly content person, the true Stoic, is not determined by their circumstances. In Stoicism, one is independent of others and of circumstances in the sense that being free from either can cause distress or affect their serenity. In Stoicism, serenity comes from being sufficient unto oneself. And Paul never said, I've learned these things because I've found out that I can handle whatever situation comes my way because I'm pretty awesome. I'm Paul. Paul says, I've learned that in whatever situation I'm in, uh, I can handle it. I can do it. I can make my way through it. Because Christ gives me strength. Now, note here, he doesn't say because because all of my all of my needs are always met. I can make my way through because at the end of the day, I actually really didn't have any needs. Paul never says that. He doesn't see. I, I know I can make it through because you know really. Uh, it's never really been that bad. If you know Paul's life, it has been bad times 10 for Paul over and over and over and over again. So Paul doesn't have to excuse it away. Well, that wasn't that bad, was it? No, it could have been horrible and it could have been living hell. And Paul doesn't say, well, I've learned that it's, you know what, really, at the end of the day, I, I didn't need that much anyways. He didn't say at the end of the day, you know what, it really wasn't that bad anyways. He says, what I've learned is that whether I have a lot or a little, it's not me who's getting me through. Whether I have a lot or a little, Christ continues to give me the strength I need to endure faithfully. And you look at Paul's life. He did this. Paul endured faithfully. Now, whenever I think about this, I, I, I think there, there's a sense in which there's like this inner spiritual strength that the Lord gives, right? This grace that God gives that says, hey, listen, man, just, just, just keep going. But, but then I have to go. That has to be rooted in something for me. Right, Because my, 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 the God that we see in Scripture is not just a God that says, Hey, listen, click your heels together three times and everything's going to be okay. Hey, say it without your fingers crossed and everything's going to be all right. And a lot of things that we hear that are called faith today, that's all it is. It's wistful wishing. It's positive, intentional, motivational thinking. No, j- just don't have a bad thought about it. But here's where I would say, here's where rubber meets the road. Here's where Paul could say that Jesus could give him strength whenever he was lacking. And we find it again in Philippians chapter number three. In Philippians chapter number three. Paul says. Uh. Those things that were gained to me, I count lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus my Lord. Paul says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. But I do now count them dung, refuse, trash, excrement. They're not really lost. Here's the deal. I count them as refuse so that I may win Christ. And so that I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection Of the dead. When faced with opportunities where Paul might lack. Instead of Paul. Getting anxious and worried about it. He learned another way. Instead of Paul just getting angry at the state of things or the reason for the state of things, Paul learned another way. In the face of that, suffering some sort of need or physically suffering, in the face of these things, Paul learned you don't just stick your head in the sand and let it all pass you by. In the face of all this Paul learned to look to Jesus and to see that Jesus actually suffered himself that there were times whenever Jesus went out without food, clothing and shelter. And in fact, there was times whenever Jesus was not given the honor that was due to him when he was humiliated. And in fact, there was a time whenever Jesus had his complete dignity and authority and humanness stripped of him. And he was placed on a Roman cross. And he suffered and died in great agony and great shame. And Paul said, through that suffering death, he attained resurrection. And so Paul learned it doesn't matter if I have everything. Or if I have nothing. Physically speaking. I can walk through this. I can endure this. Just like Christ endured the cross. And he also learned that the Christ who endured the cross. Is the Christ who walks with us whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. And so Paul said, I learned not to be overwhelmed with anxiety and worry and stress. I learned not to be filled with anger and bitterness and resentment and hostility. I learned not to stick my head in the sand and let it all pass. I learned to face it, knowing that Jesus faced it. And to face it, knowing that because Jesus faced it, He is now at the right hand of the Father. The thing that gives Paul strength is going, if I can suffer loss and look like Jesus in the midst of it, I will attain unto the resurrection. If I suffer loss and am I suffering loss, all I do Is busy myself with worrying, anxiety, and strife, anger, bitterness, resentment. If I do that, then guess what? I'm not looking like Jesus. But it gives me strength to know I can look like Jesus in the midst of it. So, my brothers and my sisters, here's what I would present for us today is we have before us right now inflation and recession. Oh, my. And you are going to be tempted to major amounts of anxiety, worry, stress. You are going to be tempted to just be overcome with anger, bitterness, hostility. And, and you have all the right characters to, to point it at. You're going to be tempted even possibly just to say, stick my head in the sand and it's all going to blow by. But here's the deal. This is an opportunity for us to learn. To learn what it might mean to be content when gas is 250 or 450. When my grocery bill is filled with a bunch of extra goodies or it's rice and beans. When we have a lot or we have a little or we have a lot but it's not going very far because the value of it has been destroyed. This is an opportunity for you and I To continue on in our discipleship of Jesus. And so let's take it as such. Let's take the opportunity that's before us. And with that and the baby crying, I say, amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. And I want you to think, where are you at in that place? Are you one who, who tends towards anxiety and worry, fear? Are you one who tends towards anger and the hostility and bitterness? And I'll tell you what they need to do. Are you one who tends to put your head in the sand? Who are you? Where do you fall? I bet some of us fall on one of these pretty clearly. Some of us can find ourselves like on on, on different footing with all of them. Here's what I would encourage you to do is take this and say, God, I don't want to fall into the old ways. I want to learn a new way. I want to learn a new way, God. And so what's the new way that you want to learn? Do you want to learn the way of peace in the midst of anxiety? Do you want to learn the way of love and patience in the midst of uh, anger and hostility or in the face of anger and hostility? Do you want to work, learn the way of wisdom and prudence in the face of, say, La V? Come to God right now and just say, God, I want to learn this way. Teach us. Help us to be learners like Paul was a learner. Help us to understand that there was something that Paul uh, knew or thought he knew before, a way that he knew before, but he learned a new way. Might we understand the way that we know? And might we be willing to learn a new way from you, Lord? God, I pray and I ask these things. I ask him in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Well, it's good to be been in church today. We're glad you're here. We're just going to get a little reminder of a great song that we sang a little bit earlier. Whatever the situations are in our life, they are temporal because we serve an eternal God, an everlasting God. That's the reminder this morning. Let's stand up together and let's sing just a little bit of it before you head out today. All right, here we go.